That's Green Diva Lynn in the Green Diva studio. I am here, and I am thrilled to be in New Jersey Which, with you, you know, Green Diva Meg. Not everybody would say, but um, I suppose we are very lucky. I'm it's, a Jersey girl. She's a Jersey girl at heart. <laughs> Welcome to the Green Diva's radio show. We have a wonderful show today. Yes, we do. But before we even get into all the excitement we have for you... Um, let's talk about what we've been up to this week, Lynn, and why you're here, you know, know. how you ended up here. There's a backstory. Well, I can start with, I was, uh, born and <laughs> how I got here in what way? What do you yeah, mean? No, no, no. we went Not to Detroit. We met in Detroit for the big national North American, North American international, international auto show. N-A-I-A-S. And yes. thank you Ford for flying us out there and, um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, giving us a chance to look at what they're up to. Right. And, and uh, see all the other green cars. That and they are were there. kind enough, instead of shipping her back home, to shift her flight to come mm-hmm. back to New Jersey. Yes, so thank you for that. And we were a little disappointed that Ford didn't have a, a they, green car on display whatsoever. Well, they seem to de emphasize their sustainability uh, platform, which has mm-hmm. been very prominent in the last couple of years, at least the, the two previous years that I've been there with Mulally right. at the at the helm, this I'll, new guy yeah. maybe has a different perspective. Or Although Bill Ford did mention in one of the first talks that we that yeah. we uh, listened to that, it is that a green is a core value, but that was about all we heard about it. They do a lot as a manufacturer to try yes, to make the process more sustainable, and I, you know, I, I, I appreciate but their that. green roof and all they do for um, in how they they process their and recycle their water. Yeah, yeah, uh, largest green roof in the world, I believe. Yeah, commercially, so, yeah. So we're going to be talking, hopefully, to one of their executives. I, I think we're going to try to work that right. out to to talk about because we issues. know there's got to be some things going yeah. on there that are green. Yeah, we didn't. It wasn't prominent at this particular show, but we're very grateful to have the opportunity to go out there and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And now we're back. And while we were out there, we got the news that our new app—I'm so excited about that! I'm oh my gosh! So excited! <laughs> we I'm, were skipping around and jumping it. and screaming. Well, you about know, our new app on the Google Play for GDGD GD Radio. Because um, if you haven't heard yet, we now have. Um, a radio network, GDGD Radio, which is dedicated to green, healthy living. And, of course, the Green Divas Radio show is on there. Of course. Along with some other awesome shows. Earth Matters with Bill Curtis. Yeah. Well, the you, Mike Novak Show. Yeah. All these other Mrs. Great Green's shows. World. Yes. So now we ha- – and, of course, Good Vibrations with Kristen. But this app is out there, and the iTunes app is coming soon, and it's all just – Coming together. It's so exciting. So if you go to Google Play, if you use Google Play, if you use BlackBerry apps, and there are a lot of people that still use BlackBerry apps, um, I think it's also, there's a third one. Which, Android. Android. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Look for GDGD GD Radio so you can listen to it from your smartphone or tablet 
any old time. Anywhere you are, 24-7. Well, it's kind of cool because a lot of cars allow you to right. play whatever apps you have on mm-hmm. your phone through the car. Yeah. So like, Mine wow. is old, so it doesn't do that. But Mine is not. I own a Ford, by the way. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yeah. I bought that do. C-Max Energy because it's a sexy little plug-in. I love that car. So we'll have to do a video with that car, I guess. <gasps> exactly. When it's not three degrees. Right. Um. Oh, and we did so much. We all we also finished our video while we, we were out launched there. the new video, yeah, our parody it. documentary. <laughs> and thanks to Mike Novak, who did the voiceover. Brilliant, brilliantly yeah. done. He is the best. It it made it. It, made it was the video. such a good combination of creative energy. You know, Lynn came up with this concept that we should do this funny sort of documentary on the Green Divas, like rare creatures that are mm-hmm. becoming extinct. Possibly threatened with right. extinction. And I don't know how we got into the Twilight Zone concept, but uh, then it turns out our man, Mike Novak, Green Devo himself, doesn't does the Rod Serling. Yeah. Like you, uh, it's it all so just came funny. together. Well, you thought of the Twilight Zone voice. Okay. Because I was thinking it would be. Um, Attenborough, David yeah. Attenborough. I, yeah. That's what I had in my head, and you're, you thought Twilight Zone, and then I then I thought Mike Novak, he'd be great to do yeah, the voiceover. We, yep. And then it just turns out, yeah, how weird is that? It was, it was like the Twilight Zone. It's really like a perfect storm, a Twilight Zone, <laughs> perfect storm of creativity. Uh-huh. And that's how uh, it all works. It did. It took me uh, like way too many hours to put it together. Oh, uh, it was totally worth it, though. But I am very proud. Gotten a lot of great feedback on that video. And it's actually funny, like laugh out loud funny. The first time. Funniest to us. I heard the voiceover. I literally laughed so hard I almost fell over. I did not laugh that hard in a long, long time. And I got to be honest with you, it's only four and a half minutes, which I know is a long time now for all us people who have shortened our attention span, Mm -hmm. including myself. But the very, very end is the funniest part. You got to stick around for the end. Yeah. Um, and you can see the video at fundgdgd.com. And you should, while you're there, you know, get some cool swag and yeah, contribute to the... a couple the, bucks. Uh, Help us keep yeah. the lights on and make GDGD Radio better. We sure do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about who's on the show today. Let's do that. Let's do that. Michael Green. Our Love favorite. Michael Green. I was so happy that I finally got to talk to him. Oh, yeah, because you've done a lot of arranging, but you've never really mm-hmm. spoken to him. I know. Isn't he a nice guy? Very nice. And um, and his last name being Green. I mean. I know, right? How, how can you Come beat on. that? Come on. But he talked today about BPA. and he, Which is a chemical. Which is a chemical that he's worked very hard to help raise awareness and, and make some difference in, in manufacturing with BPA and mm-hmm. getting rid of it. Trying to change chemical pro- policy. Yeah, and there's such a bigger issue involved, but there, you know, BPA's been in the news again, so we talked to him about that. you got to listen to that to understand yeah. exactly what I'm talking about. It's worth it. We have a special My Earth 360. With green dude Greg Layden. Yeah. Climate communicator. He had some real hot. I mean, it was breaking news as he was calling us. Breaking news came out. So that is yeah, all about you know some climate change stuff. You're well, there's statistics coming out from the last year, mm-hmm. and they had been saying prematurely things about it being the hottest year, and they were sort of hyperbole about it. And he said, "Let's wait until we hear what actually, because we have a couple of months. Mm-hmm. So now we're we're getting that news and some other." kind of 
wild statistics and news coming in that he wild right i mean Mm -hmm. i don't know i was like oh okay so you're gonna want to listen to that segment you heard it here first folks that kind of thing green diva is breaking news man I uh, wouldn't travel. And then after that, you'll want a vacation. Yeah, you'll want to listen to Go to California while you can. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, green, uh, green Dude Gary Dietrichs, who does our mm-hmm. Traveling Green Divas yeah, segments, great. talks about going to wine country in winter. And, of course, there's so many wonderful organic and biodynamic wineries mm-hmm. to uh, to go visit. And, and he talked about why this time of year is a great time to go. I'd um, love to do that. Yeah. Well, it's not wine isn't my thing, but I, I, I'll go anywhere. And I get can out. only have a glass. Yeah. Not me. A small that's, one. That's okay. You you go, girl. <laughs> um, and then we have a wonderful eco-style segment with Kristen Arnett, yeah. who came into the studio I last wish week. I was here for that. And she was so much fun. And we did several segments with her while we had her mm-hmm. while we had our hands on her um but this one is about greenwashing particularly with cosmetics and beauty products okay and um, i can't wait to listen because i wasn't here um, yeah i'm looking forward to it she knows her it. stuff man yeah she does and of course buygreen.com we want you to pay attention because they are your trusted source for all things green home or office Family or accessory. They are our sponsor, and we are very thankful. Um, And you can shop there by going through thegreendivas.com slash marketplace. And by shopping there, you help keep our lights on. All right, It's just a small thing that we... We got to rock and roll. Got too much good show coming up. I'm just blabbing away over here. All right. Stay tuned, folks. Lots coming up. Overwhelmed by environmental news? Listen to the Green Divas My Earth 360 report for the latest eco-news bits from around the globe, carefully curated and borne by our need to say WTF. But we also love to share encouraging stories and, of course, ways that you can make your voice count for the Earth. It's not just my Earth, it's our Earth, and together we can make a difference. Well, we're back with Greg Layden, a resident climate scientist, climate communicator, science writer, guy who explains it all. Hi, Greg. Hi, how are you today? I'm good. And last time we spoke to you, and Lynn is with us. Yay. Hi, Greg. (laughs) This is a special My Earth 360 segment. It is. Um, Last time we talked to Greg, there were some, you know, numbers that he felt weren't really conclusive because they were being thrown out in November. Right. Uh, for the year of 2014. Can you follow us up on, on what what the actual conclusions are? Yeah, actually, I was thinking until just a few minutes ago that I was going to have to make something up because <laughs> the, even though it's the 14th, usually the big agencies by now have come out with most of their results, and NOAA and NASA have, I think, delayed. Uh, huh. they, they, uh, and I think the reason they... I, I, an educated guess is that they have delayed because they're working on getting their messages together. Ah. Uh. Because it's such an important thing, and and in fact, they still haven't come out with anything yet. However, um, I just literally minutes ago got a uh, uh, email from a colleague of mine pointing out a brand new thing they put out a climate nexus, which is a climate change related website, which they're um, 
Rounder on 2014, which includes information that they extracted from NOAA and NASA people. In other words, this is what NOAA and NASA are going to say Friday. Okay. Okay, so it's not actually, they're coming out Friday with their big, you know, announcement. And it's been close because, you know, in any, in any year, in order to be a warmest year, you have to work really hard as a year because we've had so many warm years, you know, and, and a given year isn't going to be that much warmer than the next warmest year of a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, the numbers are always obviously going to be very close, but it turns out that the NOAA and NASA, I should give a little background on this, there, there are thousands and thousands of thermometers and satellite data over the, the globe, mostly looking at sea surface temperature, and right. most of the different data sets out there use a good large portion of the same data but the data have all kinds of problems. There's areas where there's more thermometers, fewer thermometers. There's places where they don't like the thermometers as much as other thermometers because they're not as good. So they have to do a lot of appropriate fixing and filling in gaps. Okay. And then they calculate it all, and they, they do the best job they can to come up with a realistic, honest, straightforward, comparable number. And there's probably a half a dozen between agencies like NOAA, NASA, the British office, uh, the Japan Meteorological Agency, and, and a few other private you know, university kind of things. There's um, half a dozen or more different stabs at this, and the important thing is they all use different methods of okay. adjusting and fixing and analyzing, and they all come up with pretty much the same number. Oh, okay. Uh, oh. Okay. So right. NASA and NOAA have a set of numbers that they came up with, and they're going to announce on a Friday that it was the warmest year, 2014, hmm. uh, and the number will be 0.68 degrees Celsius above the baseline that they use, which is a 20th century average of 14.1 degrees Celsius. Wow. Uh, that's not, I, I offhand, I'm not sure how much higher that is than the next highest, highest year. I just literally, as I was calling you, I was reading <laughs> this for the first time, but I, it, wow. it's going to be um, uh, a little bit higher. And, and the important thing about this is, you know, we've had a kind of slowdown in warming over the last few years. It's still warming, but it's warming at a slower rate. Uh, recent research that has just come out over the last several weeks has suggested that some of that slowing down is because of additional activity of small volcanoes around the world, which are hard to count and measure. Mm-hmm. Oh. And we already know that most of that slowing down in the surface temperature increase is because the Pacific has been gulping up more heat than usual for the last decade. Huh. It's taking in, or more, it's been taking in more heat. Uh, which it does. It, it, it does have a period of time that it puts out more heat for a period of time. It's just a period of time when it's been absorbing more heat. And when we look at the ocean uh, area, that is actually absorbing. I mean, we're, we're seeing warming up in the ocean, the top 2,000 meters of the ocean. So when you add the ocean and the, and the air together, it's warming steadily. It's just when you only look at the air and the sea surface temperature, it's a bit of a slowdown. Mm. accounted for mainly by the ocean. The sun's weaker now. It goes up and down in its strength and it's a weaker Right now, it's in this weaker cycle, and these volcanoes have made it all kind of flat, flattish, still going up, but flattish. And the fact that we have uh, achieved the warmest year in the instrumental record since the 19th century, in the year in which we have volcanoes cooling things down, the ocean right. cooling things down, and the sun cooling things down. In spite of all of that. Just, yeah, it isn't just the warmest year. It's a kind of a scary warmest year. Mm. Oh, Okay. Another piece of news, this isn't actually news, but I just looked at the data, and it will be news, or people are starting to talk about it now, related to that, is we never had an El Nino this year. All and right. although there's been a lot of heat in the Pacific, there hasn't been El Nino conditions, and it really looks like we might not have much of one next year. So this huh. warmest year has been achieved without an El Nino, and there's not 
a strong El Nino on the horizon. There might be a weak one. So, and that is, you know, that's kind of, it's good news and bad news. It depends upon what your local conditions would be under El Nino. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's strange news because we're now entering, I think, now the second year beyond the previous period of time, longest period of time between strong El Ninos. So, so the cycle, the cycle is shifting. Something is shifting or changing in the cycle, but no one's saying what. You know, like no one has any idea at this point. Um, another two two things came out again. Another one just literally minutes before you call a hmm. colleague of mine, Johnny Abraham. Yeah, uh, John Abraham wrote a paper with a colleague that was just published this morning, and then something else came out literally minutes ago. Hmm. Which I can't really report because I'm not really ready yet. But they have to do with. Antarctic ice melting and glacial melting in general. Oh, dear. And Abraham's paper is interesting for two reasons. First, it does demonstrate that you know, glacial melting is going on, both papers are saying, faster than previous estimates. So, you know, it's not, mm. not, not dramatically fast. So instead of 200 years to get several, so many meters of sea level rise, it's going to be, you know, less. Ooh. But um, the, the, the paper by Abraham had an interesting thing to it that I just think people think will find interesting. Um, you know, the, the amount of ice on the Antarctic uh, uh, continent is huge, and it's so much that it actually pulls the ocean towards it through gravitational forces. No really? Huh. And when that ice melts, that effect won't be there anymore, and oh. that will cause higher sea level rise in other regions. Wow. Because it won't, be, it won't have the same pull. It won't have the same pull. It won't be there. There's a mass won't be there. Anyway, there's they're increasing... Um, Amounts of uh, glacial melting, so we're going to see news stories about this over the next couple of days. And the same, partly the same team, overlapping team with Abraham, also has a paper coming out, which I don't, not, I'm not sure if I can talk about it yet, but I'll just say something about it. I don't think it's published yet, but it is in accord with other things we already knew, and that is that global warming, of course, changes. It isn't just making things warm; it also changes the weather, and. You know, you know that California has been having this drought. Yeah. And that is part of a larger pattern where the American Southwest has had about a 5% change in degrees of extreme precipitation, and that's been towards the negative. Oh, dear. That's a okay. large percentage the the, then, isn't it? Yeah. The rest of the country mostly has had, um, in fact, entirely all the other regions of the U.S., except Hawaii, have had uh, an uh, between 11% at Alaska, 12% northwest, 16% the middle of the country, 37% the upper midwest, the middle meaning the plains and the Rockies, 37% in the midwest, 27% oh. in the southeast, and 71% in the northeast oh. increases in extreme precipitation. Oh, okay. Shoot. So that's a, those are big differences, and that's the kind of thing that we expect. Basically, the total amount of water that's falling on us from the sky is slightly increased from global warming over the last couple of decades, but it comes in much, much greater, with a great deal of variation, so you get these huge chunks of rain, and that means something like a month of rain, like we had in Minnesota in June, or right. it might mean major flooding types of drenching rains or storms like Hurricane Sandy. Right. Bigger clumps. So more extreme weather, yeah. More extreme weather and also harder to deal with when it comes to things like agriculture. Yeah, so right. The same amount of water that, fall, that falls in a month falling in a few days causes major floods, but it also causes disruption in the you know agricultural cycle and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. So yeah. That's oh, a, that that's sounds a, a bit messy. Yeah, and it's what we've been seeing. 
so it's just really this is really this is paper that kind of summarizes and explains it a little bit better. The other thing that, that has happened in the last few days, I think it happened well the on the seventh of January, I think there's a, a private company called Global Weather Oscillations that predicts hurricane seasons. Uh oh. And they came out with their it's not that bad. They came out with their first they they came out with the first prediction for the next year. They're early, and they they're very proud of themselves because the last six years they've been dead on with their predictions. And it's a little bit annoying because it's a private company. Of course, they have to make some money. So they the the, the, the most important part of the prediction, I think, you have to pay them. Right, you probably have to pay to get um, yeah. Yeah, but right now they're basically saying that 2015 will be quote the most active and dangerous in three years, which is doesn't mean much because the last three years have been really weak hurricane seasons in the Atlantic. Um, and uh, possibly the most dangerous in 10 years. And again, the last 10 years, have, you know, remember, I think 2005 was a really big one. Yeah. 2005 was the worst hurricane season we've ever seen, and this is after that, so not as bad as that. Yeah, right. But it, basically, we're going we're gonna to have a more or less average hurricane season in the Atlantic, they're saying, which is bad news because we've been getting off easy for the last couple of years. Yes, yeah, since uh, they Sandy. Identify yeah. three hot spots will it be more likely to be landfalls, but I, I don't think they're. I couldn't find anywhere with the telling us where they are. <laughs> no, you have to pay for that bit. Eventually, they will get out because <laughs> somebody, somebody will pay for it and sell everyone else, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, wow. So that, that's a, another sort of new new thing that's happened. So a lot's happened since we last talked. Wow. I guess so. Well, we have to make a point of talking to you as often as possible, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Some weeks, some some periods of a few weeks are are, are have more, and some have less. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate this, and I know that you usually have information that we can draw on on your blog. You yes, there's writing. actually a post that uh, okay, I'm good. working on getting up for Greg. Yay! So we can throw this in there too. Yeah, along with the last. Well, I think time this, talked to this we have to post this week. Yes, right? definitely. Well, Greg, yeah, I can put up a post with links to all those sources I just used. Oh, awesome! Great. Thank you so much, Greg, for taking the time. Obviously, you're busy trying to wade <laughs> through all, up this with all this stuff, research and information. And thank God you do what you do and help explain it to green divas like us. Yeah, my pleasure to do so. All right. Talk to you soon, Greg. Thanks, Greg. Okay, okay bye now. Get all the details from this Green Divas My Earth 360 report and lots more on thegreendivas.com. That's T H E. GreenDivas.com and MyEarth360.com. No one ever said you had to give up style to be a Green Diva or dude. Check out this Green Divas Eco Style segment for all the latest trends in sustainable, ethical, gorgeous eco style. And yes, another awesome Green Divas Eco Style segment with the fabulous Kristen Arnett, who is GreenBeautyTeam.com founder, and she's a celebrity green cosmetic uh, expert. Thank you. Okay. She's an artist is what she is, a beautiful artist. So I think today we're going to talk about greenwashing man yeah let's it, talk about it it happens and it's it's probably pretty prevalent in the cosmetic definitely world right definitely so, so tell me you know it's i find that because how we discussed in an earlier episode 
that the terms green, natural, organic, they're just not regulated. There's no strict definition to any of that. So right. companies are just kind of slapping words onto stuff and then you actually have to turn the bottle around or the package and look at the right. ingredients. Yeah. So, you know, greenwashing really is this concept of brands giving you the feel or the idea that you're getting something healthy and better for you, um, even just by using the color green or yeah, marketing imagery. Right? Or, it's very upsetting. And I'm like, really, just because they say this is – what's the, there's a word that looks like organic that they use sometimes, and I can't think of what it is. Off the top bio? Of bio? I don't know. But you know what I mean? They, they just kind of like they figure if they, they yeah. say herbal somewhere. Oh, my gosh. Right? Look at, you know, look at herbal essences. What's uh, herbal what in there, thinking. right? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> and so typically I don't like to bash brands, right. um, especially traditional cosmetics, because they didn't come on the marketplace to formulate for the natural green marketplace. Right. However, there are brands that I am happy to say, well, I should say unhappy to say, um, who, uh, you know, are misleading the consumer every single time they put an ad out. And my my biggest pet peeve, and I'm just going to say it publicly now, is Tarte Cosmetics. Tarte calls themselves a brand that has, you know, high-performance naturals and really leads the consumer into thinking they're getting a natural product, where about 30% of the ingredients in there are probably natural, naturally derived. And naturally derived Mm. is not really like you're getting the whole fantastic, beautiful naturalness. You're basically getting a synthetic chemical. Right. Extracted from or maybe whatever. Yeah. And so it really bothers me because they use such blatant marketing, tricking the consumer into thinking they're getting a natural product and they're not. Mm. Yeah. you know, and Sephora puts them in the section, they're naturals with the little green leaves around it. And so, of course, why as a consumer would you bother to question it or look into yeah, it? Yeah. But, um, you know, I even saw on their Twitter uh, profile once that one of their suggestions for removing makeup was to use Vaseline. Oh, really? And I thought, this is a, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, they that's... don't even know that they're telling people to use a petrochemical, which goes against right, the whole the whole thing, thing yeah. of being natural. But people. Um, and then there are brands, you know, interestingly enough, um, that people have decided are somehow natural and healthier that don't market themselves that way, like Kiehl's. I get people walking up to me all the time being like, but, oh, but I use this moisturizer from Kiehl's. I'm like, good well, for who, you. Yeah, <laughs> who said that that was? Yeah. And they don't market themselves as natural, but I, they have an apothecary feel. So yeah. even the customer will warp the the feeling of being in a place of wellness and taking that message to mean so, something that it's not just to just to sort of throw it out there that the the, the definition of greenwashing mm-hmm. primarily is a company perhaps that that wants you to look at their product as green mm-hmm. like oh hey we're green we're cool we're natural mm-hmm. when in fact they really aren't correct and, and you know it's I mean this is when words like chemical free on packaging that that's not even a, a possible scientific thing to have chemical free water is a chemical yeah right it's hydrogen right. and oxygen that's yeah. a chemical you yeah. know bond right so um then you have brands that will say preservative free well that's terrible because yeah, yeah. You don't want something to go rancid on your face. So if it's preservative free, then it better not have water in it because that's the breeding ground for bacteria. bacteria. Yeah. Um, 
then you have brands that say that they're, you know, all natural. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean it's better. They right. could be cyanide is natural. Come on. There you go. Arsenic's natural. <laughs> Lead is natural. Right. Um, you know, and a lot of people will then I, I heard someone marketing their nail polish as being organic. I think that's a bis, big misnomer because people have gotten into this whole low toxin nail polish, but they call it three free and five free, which mm -hmm. are free of the major toxic right. chemicals. Right. But that doesn't mean the nail polish is good for you still. Right, it's still right. Still can't drink it. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't. <laughs> Wouldn't drink it. So the, the greenwashing thing is really, you know, how much on the front of the packaging is there the sort of Las Vegas light show going on to distract yeah. you from what's going yeah. on inside the product? So do you have a list somewhere that maybe you'll share with us someday or maybe you'll make it for us of some of the known greenwashers in the cosmetic industry? I know you've mentioned a couple mm -hmm. that, that, you know, and maybe they're not intentional, but whatever. Um, or, or do you recommend a resource that, that can help us with that? I know we're going to do a whole other segment on resources, but. You know, I really need to create that list and I will ah. do that for this program then. Yeah. I've been very careful not to ever bash brands, yeah. but man, it gets, it gets my little panties in a bunch well, when people lie. <laughs> I think that, you know, see, I would be the person that would come to you because I can't retain all those chemical names and what am I looking for? What should be, what shouldn't be? So I would go to someone like you and say, so tell me, you know, yeah. what should I be looking for? What shouldn't I be looking it's for? It's also a bit of a gray area. You know, there's there's brands um, like, for instance, Jane Iredell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They use some synthetic chemicals in their products. There's a brand called Beauty Counter. They're all about safe synthetics. Mm -hmm. So while they're not calling themselves all natural, what they do is they promote the safety aspect of what they're doing. Well, all right. So that's that's not really greenwashing because they're being clear about what they're doing. Exactly. More, you know? Exactly. So it's it's just funny because I'll hear people it's just those blatant interspurt yeah that the, are like like really trying to capture the no, market. Cover Girl did that. I don't even know if their line's still around anymore, but they did that. And in their advertising they said, We removed some of the harsh synthetics with naturals and replaced them with naturals. And I was like Really? Okay. And I turned it around. I was like, so the rest of the synthetics right. in here. So there's still yellow dye number seven. And yeah, whatever. So those are fine. Um, and, oh, man. It's it just – but the random. package was green and there were leaves all over it. Yeah. It's supposed <laughs> to make us feel better. Well, all right. Another great segment with Kristen. Everybody go to greenbeautyteam.com. Find out more of what Kristen's up to and learn more. And she's hopefully going to do a post for us that she will share with us with Absolutely. some of these greenwashing companies. Okay, stay tuned. Want to have sexy green diva style too? And learn more about low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green? Visit thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. Sometimes it's really important to change perspective if we're going to make a positive change when it comes to global warming. More on that after this. 
everyone wants to be a part of the green movement, and that's a great thing. Going green takes on a whole new meaning when you add tall grass beef to your family's dinner table. It's tender and juicy, and since the cattle graze on the natural grasslands of Kansas, it's also loaded with essential fatty acids and omega-3s that regular grain-fed beef lacks. It's good for you and your family and good for the earth. For more information and to order tall grass beef online, go to www.tallgrassbeef.com. NASA images taken from space show a far different Earth than the one you and I experience on a daily basis. We might think that record warm temperatures, especially in the winter months, are nothing more than a reason to drive with the windows down. But it's not a pattern that bodes well for the future. A recent NASA image showed a 97% melting of the sheet ice in Greenland in a single day. This vast melt-off is a wild card in the weather deck and the hand each of us will have to play as global warming increases. I'm Bill Curtis with Earth Matters. Where are you headed on your next trip? Have you considered the environmental impact of your adventure? Listen to the Traveling Green Divas to get tips for healthy, safe, and eco-friendly travels. So I love talking to Gary. We get to kind of imagine going all these fabulous places. We're on with Gary Dietrichs from Green Traveler Guides, and he gets around. He gets around, but he's keeping a light footprint and helping us learn how to travel ethically and eco-friendly. Hi, Gary. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. So where are you taking us this week? Well, this week I'd like to suggest... um Winter in wine in California wine country. Any wine country will do, but let's talk about California. Okay. Um, you know, you go in the summertime or the harvest season in the fall, and it's just teeming with people in, mo- in many parts of wine country, but now it's quiet. Yeah. Yes, we have a few storms now and then, but, you know, they, we're in a drought, for gosh sakes. So we got a lot of nice <laughs> sunny days, too. <laughs> but let's talk about the good side of the, the the good side of the drought, if there is one. Yeah. So, you know, it's a great time. The, t- the tasting rooms are not crowded, and it's a wonderful time to do something uh, in an eco-friendly way as well. So one of the best ways to to see wine country in an eco-friendly way is by hiking in the area or biking in the area. You can even bike and sip. In many cases, there are... Bike there and are sip. Guided, Mm-hmm. Bike wow. and sip. There All are right. guided or self-guided bike tours in many of the California wine regions. Well, and now there are so many wonderful biodynamic, organic type uh, farms, right, in that area? There are indeed. They're getting to be more and more every day because people are realizing, wine growers are realizing that not only is there a great market for it, but it's it's healthier for the grapes and they get better products. Yeah, it's healthier for their soil in the end, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So is there any place in particular you would recommend that you've maybe been to? Well, you know, I've, I've been through most of the California wine regions, um, but I would say that uh, one of my favorites is in, in good old Napa. There is a Napa Valley wine trail that has a 47-mile path wow. to take by foot or bike. Okay. Yeah, and it starts from a, a 
ferry terminal in the, on the bay and takes you all the way to the foot of Mount St. Helena in Calistoga. So that's that's a fun one. Can you camp on that trail? You There are campgrounds yeah. in, in Napa. There are indeed. Well, I was so, just yeah, curious because 47 miles, you couldn't walk 47 miles necessarily in a day, could you, comfortably? Not in stop and sit and enjoy yourself. <laughs> You may be jogging, you know, I don't know. Exactly. Uh, so that's what I was thinking, like, could you, like, kind of backpack, you know, and spend a couple of days on a trail? And You probably could. Cool. And if you didn't want to do that, gosh knows there are plenty of green inns and, and hotels in in, uh, in the area as well that you could take advantage of. Oh, good. Um, is there any particular wine or winery that you like? Well, in Napa, there are, there are lots of organic and biodynamic yeah. wineries. Um, uh, gosh, they're almost too too numerous to mention. Well, that's um, good. What a what a cool problem. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, there 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 are tons of them. There really are, and and there are lots of there are maps available of them, and you, you can get at the tourist tourist offices, or you can find them online. So they're not easy. They're not. I mean, they're, they're easy to find. They're not hard to find. Yeah, well, that's 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 such a nice um, development over the last maybe twenty twenty five years, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, here's one in particular that I just thought of: uh, the Cliff Finery, Cliff Family Winery. Okay, actually offers bike rentals. Oh wow! So they are they are a sustainable winery, and they you can rent a bike right there. Wow. See, I don't drink, so it never occurs to me to go to wine country, but I know that. There are so many other reasons, and the landscape is beautiful, the people are great, and there's other things going on. There really are. There really are lots of reasons, and you could be the uh, the designated peddler. <laughs> I could be the designated peddler. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to have to try that some winter. Maybe not this winter. <laughs> this winter we're going to go to other parts of California, but... Uh, Good. All right. Um, anything else you want to tell folks about this? I'm hoping that you'll do a post for us, and, and people should always go to uh, greentravelerguides.com, but uh, you also do some posts for us from time to time. Mm-hmm. Well, another possibility, I mean, if you if biking isn't your, isn't your thing, how about horseback riding? <gasps> oh, now see, that would be really fun. I mean, I, it's difficult Probably not impossible, but it's difficult to to ride by uh, ride a horse from winery to winery. But there are lots of stables in in, uh, in wine country where you can you can rent a horse and go on a trail for as long as you want and and make that part of your of your whole wine country experience. One example of that is in in the Santa Cruz Mountains, which is south of um, Napa and Sonoma, almost to, toward the uh, Central Coast. It's actually very near uh, Silicon Valley, except on the coast. Okay. And there you can, you know, there, for example, there's a there is a, uh, a winery called the Cooper Garrett Estate Vineyards, which also has stables. Wow. And there you you can indeed, you know, visit this great winery, and you can hike there, you can sip there, but you can also ride there. They, you know, so I could be the designated rider. You could be the designated rider indeed. <laughs> Oh, Gary, thank you so much for another wonderful report that's put even more things on my traveling agenda. You're very welcome. Thanks, Gary. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye now.
Whether you're off to a tropical getaway or traveling for business, make sure to check the Traveling Green Divas on thegreendivas.com for more tips and ideas for healthy, safe, and eco-friendly adventures. The Green Divas get to talk to so many inspiring people who each in their own way is helping us find a deeper shade of green. Here's just one of them. Enjoy. Wow. Well, I'm um, very happy again. Well, not just because Lynn's in the studio. Yay! Whoopee! Um, but we're getting a chance to talk to one of our favorite eco heroes out there, Michael Green, who's the executive director of Center for Environmental Health. And he has been... A, one of, among the many things that he does for us through us being, you know, the collective community out here, um, through CEH, it, it, among the many things is he's been very focused on in, uh, talking about BPA and why we need to pay attention. He's been an advocate and made change with BPA and helped alert everybody. But there's so much more. Hi, Michael. Hi. Hi, Michael. I Hi, really I'm so glad to be here with you guys. Got tongue-tied there because there is so much, and uh, I don't even want to talk too much because I know that you can enlighten us. I know there was a recent. This whole discussion got started because there was a news. Lynn, go ahead. Yeah. Tom. Well, we had posted an article um, about BPA and receipts, and I had read uh, and all the things that you need to worry about with that. Um, and at the same, around the same time, a report had come out from the FDA saying that BPA is completely safe for food uh, packaging. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, well, is it safe or is it not safe? And um, Yeah, so we were like, let's call Michael. He'll yeah. know. <laughs> what does Michael have to say about this? Well, um, I will tell you that it's a big muddled mess. Yeah. And... Um, so last month, I got, in, in the period of just a couple of days, I got two different pieces of information. One was that the FDA said, um, based on our most recent literature review, we believe that it is safe to use BPA for all non-baby applications for food-containing materials. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then, in essence, on the same day, I also uh, got... Uh, information about an, a new study that found that <clears throat> BPA what increases blood pressure, which obviously uh, puts people who already have heart disease at risk. Right. And, um, and you know, it was a strongly peer-reviewed study. It wasn't, you know, Mickey Mouse. And, um, and so you're getting all this conflicting information all at the same time. Yeah. About, Is it safe? Is it not safe? And, and before we get too far into it, some of our listeners might not know what BPA is, so maybe we should just really me. quickly um, sure. explain what it is. So BPA is a chemical that was originally uh, identified as a estrogen replacement. So they originally were going to use this chemical to uh, give to women who needed a, an estrogen replacement. Oh, That's so amazing. should I be? T- maybe I should be eating a lot of canned foods since I'm in perimenopause. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't, maybe, but they they ended up uh, finding other things that were more effective for that purpose. Yeah. And um, uh, so 
then fast forward a couple decades, and they kind of forgot about that part, at least those who were wanting to use it in industry. And instead, they started using it to line um, uh, cans for food, food cans. It's kind of a bizarre switch, isn't it? How did they jump from like a pharmaceutical bio application to food packaging? They were probably just trying to figure out a way to sell it, right? Well, that was one thing, and then the second thing is they were trying to figure out a way to seal the can so that yeah. the metal didn't ta- the metal didn't leach into the food, and the metal taste didn't leach into the food, and they found that this worked, mm-hmm. and they were not attentive to the fact that it might have potential health impacts. Mm. So that's how we got into the situation where we're being exposed to it every day. It's also on the receipts that you get when you uh, you know check out at the grocery store, right? And and so now. Um, uh, companies are looking for replacements in some applications, but it's also still we're 93% of us have it in our blood at any particular time, and we get rid of it within 24 hours. And what that means is that we are constantly, constantly being exposed to it in our lives. For virtually all of us to have it in our bodies and for us to get rid of it in 24 hours means that all of us have been exposed to it in the last 24 hours. And what are the s- other crazy. 7% doing? Are those aborigines like... Just living off the land or something? I I don't know. I don't know. Well, because Um, it's probably being found in water and soil samples, too. Oh, that's true. But my question is, does it accumulate at all? I mean, I know they say it doesn't. Well, it breaks down in your body relatively quickly compared to, obviously, some of the the things, other things that we worry about being exposed to, like heavy metals. You know, your body stores that. It has very long-term repercussions. Whereas with BPA, if you stop being exposed to it, you stop having it in your body relatively quickly. Mm. Okay. Well, that's a small comfort. So, so the FDA did <laughs> a literature of. review. They said it's safe. They're continuing to study it. They're spending, you know, they have a whole bunch of studies out there currently underway, so they might change their mind tomorrow or next week. Right. Um, but when they came out with this literature review, as you can imagine, the chemical lobby immediately said, and this is a quote, this puts the BPA debate to rest. Uh-uh. And, and there's, you know, if there's... 2.3 billion pounds of this stuff made by Bayer or Dow or DuPont in, you know, every year. And wow. it's going to be a tough push to actually stop using it. There's gonna, there is pressure on an agency like FDA to ban something that is being used at, at, at such high levels. Yeah. And so that's got to weigh into it. And frankly, also, money in politics is a problem because, yeah. you know, the folks at FDA, there's a, whether they're, you know, elected or not, there's political constraints, I know from my experience in Washington, and these are very large companies that don't want to have to stop doing what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. And and now, there are other, BPA is just one of the many things used in, like the liner of cans, for instance, or uh, I don't know what else is used in receipts. I don't even know why it's in receipts, honestly, but... Um, there are all these other chemicals, and, and we don't even know yet what those might be doing or how they're interacting with some of these things. Right. Yeah, and the so, whole BPA so we, thing is, is that just so, is so that actually tested, worse? We tested um, uh, 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 a whole bunch of BPA-free sippy cups, um, and this was before the FDA had banned BPA and sippy cups and baby bottles, or it was actually concurrent with that. We started the testing before they had done the ban. And um, and this testing, so remember, we're testing things that don't have BPA, and we were testing them for estrogenic activity. 
Okay. And the majority of them were more estrogenic than the BPA-containing ones. Oh, lordy. So here's what's going on, is that companies are switching away from BPA in baby bottles and sippy cups, as an example, because the, the parents who are buying them don't you want to buy the ones that have the big BPA-free sticker on them. And, um, they're repla- and, and that's because BPA is, has become more well-studied and it's been discussed in the media. We're talking about it here. And then um, what they're replacing it with is something that's not well-studied. That's their plan. Their plan <sighs> is to switch to something that's not well-studied. And then if it turns out that that was also harmful, they can say, well, we didn't know. And then they'll just switch again. That's just wrong. That's the plan. The plan is, well, we'll just switch again if we make people sick. Why don't these companies have to test for safety before unleashing it into the marketplace? Because that's not the way our system works. Our system isn't preventative in our use of uh, potentially toxic chemicals. It's reactive. So I know you have kids. What do you recommend people do, um, not just for sippy cups, but for, you know, for instance, any kind of canned tomatoes, which are particularly bad, I think, because the acid in the tomato leaches, right? Right. That's exactly right what you just said. Uh. Well, um, we have a blog on our site where you can, um, where there's a link to a list that's constantly being updated of BPA-containing versus BPA-free canned food. Okay. But that doesn't solve the problem of what we call the toxic shell game, where they switch from a well-known well-tested chemical to a less well-known, less well-tested chemical. And and then, you know, the, the... The whole thing about these chemicals is that then they're, it's not just one chemical that we're ingesting in some fashion. It's multiple chemicals that we don't even know how they're interacting with each other and then impacting us. I mean, that's the the scary thing. I'm 100% with you. And, And there's a solution that... It sounds so simple that it sounds a little bit like, well, come on, it's gotta, there's got to be more to it than that. <laughs> and that is just use natural material. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, um, you know, like uh, my daughter, when she was using a sippy cup, she's a little too big now. She's in kindergarten. But she, you know, even just a couple years ago, she was using a sippy cup. And she and I would have hand-to-hand combat because she would want to use the pink uh, sippy <laughs> cup with the princess. And I would want her to use the stainless steel or the glass one with a lid on it yeah and um so why not use for for the in our homes why not use natural materials like glass or yeah. ceramic yeah. or mm-hmm. wood i mean the problem with wood is you can't put it in the dishwasher but mm-hmm. um but it's nice to eat off of yeah and is. um or stainless steel and so then you don't have to worry about this stuff yeah. and when you're buying stuff in the store you can also look for that kind of thing and that takes me to another piece of this and that is um that it's harder in low-income communities, yeah. because yes. in low-income communities, it's much harder to buy fresh produce. Yeah. It's much harder to find it, you know, especially in places where there's literally a food, you know, a fresh food desert. Yeah. Um, and so, frequently, the only fruits and veggies that you can get um, with any sort of diversity of selection are in cans. Yeah. And so that's that's a problem. Um, and so there's a bigger piece that a, that an individual consumer can't do but that we as an organization like the Center for Environmental Health can, is to basically push for the elimination of these chemicals in the, in, in the materials uh, that contain the food that we eat. And, and I guess your job is pretty endless because, you know, you've taken a lot of energy to help um, create greater awareness and change regarding BPA, but you've got to go through, like, all these... Uh, chemicals one by one, I guess, uh, as they come up, right? Well, it, I suppose, but that's <laughs> not going to be effective because 
if there if there's eighty four thousand chemicals already in commerce, yeah. and there's you know close to a thousand new ones coming in each year, we're not going to be able to do that. I know. You know us little the little thirty of us here you oh. know in in Oakland and New York. So the uh, mighty thirty. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so so then um, uh, we the solution is to look for comprehensive chemical policy to change the rules. Yes. Right. To, to change yes. the overarching incentives as compared to deal with one chemical or one category of chemicals at a time. And so we're doing that too. Good. Now, can, I just want to mention this whole thing with because Lynn and I were just at the store before we came to the studio. And, you know, I don't want to touch receipts anymore. I just like, I don't even want to deal with them. And because I had watched this film documentary, uh, Plastic Paradise, a woman we interviewed, and I can't think of her name at the moment, forgive me. Um, wonderful young lady did this documentary and she allowed a doctor they took some blood then they had her grab and and only for a number of seconds a receipt in her hand got it in her palm and then put it down and then they tested her blood and they tested it before they took her yeah, blood, they, blood before and, and after tested it before and after and yeah i mean it's um so i'm like ooh, i don't want to touch these things anymore what do, why is it even in a receipt please um I, I i assume it's because you know the ink has to dry immediately on a receipt you can't wait and so it's probably some some factor in there and i'm sure that they can make that without bpa the other thing is that if you use a hand sanitizer before you touch a receipt you're uptake of the BPA is 10 to 100 times higher. Because <laughs> the gosh. hand sanitizer kills some of the natural defense oh, capacity of your skin. Oh, is that crazy? God. That is oh. actually, and not to mention that hand sanitizers, there's a whole other show okay. we could do yeah. just yeah, on hand let's, sanitizers. Let's, we'll talk about that one next time. Right? So, can, <laughs> can, one more thing about BPA specifically, and that is that there was this really well done study with 3,000 kids and teenagers that found that the ones with the highest level of BPA in their urine had were two t- 2.6 times as likely to be obese than the ones with the low levels. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it's changing. It, what's happening is that these, you know, it's, it, it's mimicking hormones in your body. Yeah. And if you think about it, um, hormones are such, they're such a tiny part of your body and they have such a profound impact that we can't think about it the way we normally think about these things because a tiny bit of BPA exposure might be more toxic than a lot because a lot your body might say, oh, well, that's obviously something foreign. And a tiny oh. bit, your body might say, oh, there's a hormone. It's giving me a message. The message is, I don't know what, grow breasts, right. go fat, right. grow fat sales, don't grow breasts, don't grow fat sales, Oh, I could use the go, grow breasts part. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, so even if it's only in our system for 24 hours, sorry, Lynn, you know, you probably need a more, you know, sustained um, exposure. But seriously. <laughs> she's, she's actually getting a sustained exposure. Well, we're having actually canned tuna after this, as a matter of fact, which is kind of funny. Because, well, we're in a hurry. We have so much exciting things happening today. But uh, so even even that limited exposure can trigger is what you're saying. So even if it's only in our bodies for, you know, a brief amount of time, it could be like sending these signals, bing, bing, bing. And then your body reacts. That's Uh, what hormones are. Hormones are chemical messengers. They're chemical messengers that your body makes, and your body often is tricked by to think that these are the same messengers, and that's mm. why it was originally going to be used as a pharmaceutical estrogen replacement. Wow. So there really probably you know, isn't any safe exposure if, uh, unless you really need this estrogen trigger. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's just not, and we don't even know. I mean, we're, we're sort of surmising based on our understanding of the anatomy and the endocrine system, but uh, and we, you know a lot more than we do, and... It's just very upsetting. <laughs> it's 
Well, so we're trying to change the rules of the game in Washington and in state governments and also directly with companies because there's some companies that really want to, you know, yeah. they want to differentiate themselves as the companies that are doing the right thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and we, I love working. Yeah. With that's those, great with that there companies. are companies like that. And that's a yeah. positive way. You know, I just love that there are positive things happening. It's not just about screaming that this isn't right. You know, you guys are actively engaged in change and, and some of it very positive. And thank you for what you do. Yeah, Sure. I mean, that to me is some of the most fun parts. So like three of my bosses, three people on our board of directors are the top sustainability person at these at large national corporations. Mm. And it, it's a completely different strategy to work with Kaiser or Yahoo or Autodesk collaboratively like that than right. to try to beat up Monsanto or Dow or DuPont. Yeah. yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. And that's why you are one of our eco heroes, Michael. Yes. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Yeah, there's just so much more. So I hope we'll talk again soon. Maybe we can talk about hand sanitizers. We've done it. I, I know we've talked about it here, but I, I suppose it can be talked about again because there's just always mm-hmm. more. So, um, Michael, we'll we'll look forward to talking to you again about more exciting topics. <laughs> Great. Thanks for having me. Take Thanks. care. Bye. Hope you enjoyed that as much as they did. Please visit thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. For more fun podcasts and information on the Green Divas and low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. You've been listening to the Green Divas radio show. Be sure to look for this and other Green Diva Network podcasts on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, iTunes, Swell Radio, and Spreaker. Get social with the Green Divas on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Subscribe to the Green Divas YouTube channel to watch them in action. And for all the latest good green news, visit thegreendivas.com. That's T-H-E, greendivas.com. 